What's good, everybody? This is the Spawn of Me podcast with Khalif Adams. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. We are rocking here on remote, on location uh, for this episode of Spawn on Me. We are close on our 400th episode. Uh, you know, you're going to hear a little bit of difference in terms of audio quality right now because I am not at home in the studio outside of Chicago on vacation, rocking and hanging out with the missus. Uh, we're, we're chilling right now. Uh, she's probably going to beat me uh, in the head because I'm recording the show as opposed to hanging out in the pool with her. Uh, but you got to get the stuff done. You can't just not give content because you got to get the content out. Uh, a lot of cool stuff. So um, word, uh, apologies in advance for, for, for audio quality being a little bit different. Uh, I'll work with as much as I can. Uh, to try to get it as sexy as I can for all of you at home. But again, this is what we do here. We, we, we find out how to make dope stuff. We, we, we give you all the content that we can in the best ways possible. Uh, and we figure out good ways to make good stuff. So uh, technology is great. I'm doing all this on my iPad. So we'll, we'll see how it sounds in the interim. Um, if you missed our last episode, you missed some bangers. We had the amazing Lizette Teatree Montgomery uh, from Double Fine coming in and talking talking about um, all of her work as an art director on Psychonauts 2. We had Tim Schaefer on the week before. Uh, I've been putting out a whole bunch of tweets of late talking about exactly how we're doing some great work on the show. So please, uh, you know, give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Make sure you're spreading out the word about the show. Uh, because the show is getting bigger. We want 2021, 2022 to be really big years for the show. Uh, and I'm super excited for all the stuff that we have coming. We have some fantastic guests coming very, very soon as well. We're on the, the brink, on the precipice, on the, uh, the, 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 the 400th show coming up very soon. Real excited about that. Not sure who we're going to get as a, as a big guest for that. I'm hoping we'll be able to snag somebody uh, who's super dope to be able to do that kind of work with us because I really am excited about that. I think that's going to be a really amazing and fun show uh, to be able to do. So, you know, 400 is on the way. Uh, we have we have cool stuff moving uh, and, and a lot of fun things coming in for all of you. So then we got uh, three, three interesting conversations to talk about from the gaming world uh, this week. Uh, we're going to keep this episode pretty short and sweet. Uh, to see if we can get it out on time and get it up for all of you, you amazing folks. Um, but there's been some really cool stories out in the world in the past couple of days that I think are things that we need to talk about, things we should dig into, uh, stuff that we really want to kind of poke at, uh, because I think that they are um, pretty cool stories to, to, to not only talk about, but I think they're going to forecast a couple of things that we're going to see moving along in the space in the next couple of months that are going to be pretty interesting for everybody uh, in the space. Uh, first story is about Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch, uh, makers of Ghost of Tsushima, uh, are coming out with a director's cut, which I think is pretty cool. You know, I, I was not as high on the game initially as a lot of people were. Um, I was fairly disappointed with some of the ways that the game kind of played. The story felt, excuse me, a little bit lackluster. You know, combat felt uh, was good, but it wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. Um, and I got crapped on for it, for, uh, you know, talking about just how, how not enthused I was when a lot of people were talking about the game being game of the year. Now, mind you, again, 
I want people to understand that I think this game is still one of the most beautiful games on the PlayStation platform. We've been waiting for it to come to PS5, uh, initially a, a PS4 game. So we've been waiting for that game to kind of, you know, expand itself and, and, and see where we're going to come out, kind of come out with new content. They, they, they came out with so the Legends content, which was the kind of multiplayer raid content, which I thought was really good. I thought that that stuff was like knock, knocking out of the park and was the thing that had me most excited about what Sucker Punch was going to do moving forward with that game. But now we have a conversation around what the new, uh, you know, they're calling it an upgrade because it's a director's cut, which I think in a minute we'll talk about why I think that's necessarily not a good way to word what you're bringing to the space. I think that's going to cause a little bit of confusion. Um, but I do think that there is um, some really cool stuff in the mix for it. Uh, that I think is actually going to bring people back into Ghost of Tsushima in a real way, which I think I'm excited to hear people talk about. They wanted a couple of features uh, that were very, very uh, important to have. There's some PS5 enhancements that are there in terms of, you know, moving with the DualShock, uh, some more uh, enhancements when it comes to, uh, you know, the DualSense, uh, not DualShock, the DualSense uh, in terms of the haptic feedback with the controller, you know, you'll probably feel that a lot more when you're, you know, drawing your bow and things like that for for, for aiming. Uh, a big thing that people wanted was Japanese lip sync, which was a thing that they didn't have in the game before. Again, with the Kurosawa mode and a lot of people kind of digging into the game from its very, very Japanese uh, roots and, and it kind of, you know, being a part of that conversation in terms of the authenticity of that game in that way a lot of people have been thinking about that and that's going to be in the game for sure uh so that's going to be pretty cool to see that be in the space uh they've also talked about you know again alongside the haptic haptic feedback and triggers 3d audio which is a a main part of you know the, the thing that people think about when it comes to the ps5 in terms of the audio enhancements reduce loading times which is going to be fantastic and again another thing you think of when you think of the ps5's ssd uh, 4k resolutions that are hopefully going to be targeting 60 frames per second which i think is for most people for a game this beautiful having it in 4k potentially almost 60 is going to be a big part of the deal the thing that is the and oh alongside that they're going to have other other parts of other pieces of content so they're going to they're going to expand on the um, Legends content, which I'm actually pretty excited about. Again, they're going to be talking about that. That's going to grow um, in terms of that game. I want to see how far they're going to take it. They have they have some really cool stuff that's just in it already. I think that's going to be brilliant to see where they're going to land with it. I think it was some of the biggest parts of the conversation. The biggest thing is they're going to be growing out the space itself. There's, they're going to be adding a new layer, this secondary island called Iki Island, which is a kind of neighboring island uh, to Tsushima. Uh, that's going to be really cool to see how they're going to broaden that out, how they're going to expand the story for Jin. Because um, Jin, when you kind of left the end of that game, he became kind of this, not samurai for hire, but he, you know, he basically was like, you know, if you had the good path or the bad path, you kind of continue to play the game in, in, in a broader perspective in that way. So it changes the way that you think about all that stuff in a in a larger capacity it changes the way that the the, the game goes in in the way that you kind of maneuver throughout the whole space which is pretty cool i think that's been 
something that was really fun. So it's something that we kind of want to see moving forward as, you know, a new part of the way that that game is going to wind up getting played. I think you're going to be able to do a whole bunch of stuff in there, new mini games, new techniques, new enemy types, all that kind of stuff is going to be in the space for sure. They're going to, uh, you know, expand that in terms of the photo mode, which I think was one of the best photo modes in the game. It, they, they actually, uh, best photo modes in gaming, I would say, uh, they broadened that out into a bigger place as well, giving you more ways to kind of tackle that kind of, um, you know, gameplay and, 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 you know, content creation, which I thought was, was pretty dope. Um, let's see what else is in there that I think is going to be actually pretty great. So they talked about, you know, if you have progress on the PS4, you'll be able to transfer that stuff over, uh, pretty easily where you left off. That's going to be fine. You don't have to think about that part of it, which I think is going to be really important. Uh, some of the other updates that are going to be in the space are going to be, uh, around if you, you know, if you already owned Tsushima, this is where it gets a little bit wonky, is you'll have a patch that you can kind of download for the new updates, um, which I think is going to be pretty easy to do. Uh, you'll get that patch, and there'll be some new accessibility options in there for different contra- controller layouts, as well as, excuse me, uh, ability to um, lock on to targets. I, that, to me, is, is actually pretty big. Because target lock-on was a thing that wasn't really um, in the first game, and it was one of my pet peeves for that game, was that the fact that you couldn't, you couldn't do that work. Uh, I always found myself kind of in certain, certain parts of the gameplay where I was trying to figure out ways to lock on the targets, and when you're in the middle of a fight, when you're fighting three or four other folks at the same time, it always wound up being something that felt kind of not intuitive like you weren't able to kind of get around to certain enemies in the times that you wanted to and that just didn't feel good it didn't feel like a thing that you wanted to continue to do it didn't feel like a thing that 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 added layers to uh the combat that you that you were really excited about it just it just felt like a a thing that should have been in there from the beginning and it just wasn't um so that part just wasn't great that part kind of kind of didn't fulfill what it was supposed to do uh, so wasn't really excited about that as a part of the, you know, original game. And was hoping that that was going to be a thing that wound up expanding or, or being added at a, at a, at a, at a point, but it just didn't, it didn't happen until now. until this director's cut, um, the other part that I find to be the most interesting is where they're going to land on price. This is where I think it gets a little bit funky. Um, and the way that you have your upgrade paths to, uh, to the game. So basically, if you already own Ghost of Tsushima on PS4, you can pre-order an upgrade to Director's Cut uh, on the PS4 for 20 bucks. This upgrade will become available starting August 20th. On August 20th, if you bought Director's Cut PS4, you'll be able to upgrade Director's Cut to PS5 version at any time for $9.99. You can also upgrade directly from the original Ghost of Tsushima PS4 to Director's Cut PS5 for $30, $29.99. That's where I think there is a problem. And this is where you get, again, see this really interesting space between verbiage, between platform, where smart delivery on the Xbox system feels like you would get this stuff probably for free. 
or it would be at a much more discounted rate. With PS4 to PS5 not having that smart upgrade system, you're going to wind up spending $30 for DLC for all those accessibility things, all the stuff around the uh, um, the new island, all that kind of stuff being in the mix, which I don't know if this is worth 30 bucks yet. Again, it's hard to know. We can't really tell yet because we don't know how big the island is. We don't know how, how much that stuff is in the space. But it is going to be a thing where I don't know yet if that 30 bucks is going to be worth it. I think, again, I think also it changes the way the conversation goes when you go from saying this is a director's cut to um, DLC. I think DLC at 30 bucks feels less um, weighty in that way. I, I feel like 30 bucks doesn't feel as a like a big jump. It's still expensive for an add-on piece of content. It's really going to, we're really going to see what that means in terms of how big the new island is. Does the stuff that they add into it with the weapons and the new maneuvers and the new techniques, does all that actually feel like it's worth that amount of money that you're going to have to spend plus the kind of expanded multiplayer stuff too. In the grand scheme, I think what they've talked about from a content perspective is worth 30 bucks, but it sounds worse when you frame it in terms of it being an upgrade. Upgrades usually sound like free. DLC sounds like something that you're paying for. So when you say an upgrade to another thing, people have a different connotation for what that means. And I feel like Sucker Punch is going to wind up putting themselves in a weird position because they've started this conversation as one that's talking about an upgrade versus something that is DLC, uh, which is another piece of the nomenclature that people have a different kind of feeling about. So it's going to be really interesting to see where they land in terms of how many people are going to you know, make that upgrade. I'm excited to jump back into Ghost of Tsushima uh, to see where the new stuff is going to land. Definitely checking out more Legend stuff. So I want to play Legend stuff with all of you in the community and hopefully other folks who have been who have been digging that stuff. Um, and it will be really interesting to see if the, the, the narrative around that content winds up feeling um, in line with what that price point winds up landing at. I think that this also sets a weird precedent for the PlayStation 4 to PS5 kind of uh, pipeline where we don't know now is this going to be the way that most games kind of do this right you know it, you wouldn't have a DLC for a game like Last of Us 2 unless it was a multiplayer piece of content does that change the way that that kind of maneuvers when you think of you know Last of Us 2 having a director's cut but does that mean that then that becomes a $30 piece of a $30 download, right? Like who knows what that means in terms of that? I think it fits differently for Tsushima because it has places to go and, and, and an expansion of a world where you think that that would make sense. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that space for a, for, for a bunch of folks now. Um, second story of the episode of this week is all around the NCAA ruling around players being able to use their names, images, and likenesses. This is going to be a very, very interesting story. Um, 
the full statement from EA on Thursday morning because there was a ruling from the NCAA about their new policy uh, endorsement rule where before, you know, student athletes were not able to use their likeness, likeness, uh, <laughs> I can't say the word, likenesses, names, or uh, uh, other names in a way where they could get endorsements. Uh, it, you were put on probation, you were not able to play. Uh, and it was a huge issue for a lot of the games that we saw when NCAA football was a was a major player in the space and that was going to be a game that people wanted. Uh, you saw often you'd have to fake names on there. You know, people were making rosters for stuff like that. EA released a statement uh, because everyone now is going to say, when is don't, you know NCAA football coming out? They already announced that they were going to be making a game. But now with the fact that that game is going to be able to have people's actual names, licenses, uh, likenesses and, you know, all of that in it. And images now, that changes a lot of stuff in the way that they're going to have to work. Um, EA said in a statement on Thursday morning, we are we are watching uh, the recent developments regarding student athlete name, image and likeness very clearly and very closely. Uh, we're still in the very early stages at this point, and we plan to explore the possibility of including players in EA Sports College Football. For now, our development team is focused on working, working with our partners at CLC to ensure that the game's authenticity, uh, I'm sorry, to, to ensure that the game authentically showcases the great sport of college football and more than 100 institutions signed on to be featured in the game. Um, apologies, I'm, I can't read today. Um, <laughs> interesting. Um, it, again, this, this opens up a lot of new ground and we've already seen in the you know past 48 hours so many different college athletes getting endorsements, you know, getting endorsement deals, moving around in that space. Uh, it's going to be extremely wild to see what is going to happen in the next couple of years when this winds up getting fully blown out into, you know, a place where the collegiate licensing committee is going to have to really dig into what does this mean for people? How far are they going to be able to do it? Are players going to opt out? of being in games like this because they're like, hey, the cut that I should be getting is not big enough. You know, will we see people's, you know, kind of pulling the Barkley rule and the Reggie Miller rule of saying, I don't want to be in your game because you're not going to pay me a good enough cut. I think that's beautiful for them. It's been, you know, many, many decades of, you know, unpaid labor from, the NCAA using the bodies of lots of black, uh, black and brown uh, uh, bodies to, 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 you know, gain money into these spaces and not really be in a place where they've been able to kind of cash in on it. EA has made money year after year when college football games were out, uh, you know, and also, you know, again, the NCAA just cashing in on a lot of that stuff. Um, so uh, there's a great Polygon article about this, and they said, you know, still the first roadblock to the existence of the kind of football video game that we will remember uh, will take a minute. It says players will now be compensated for the use of their names and such work in Electronic Arts, whose fiscal year 2021 revenue was $5.6 billion and whose legal, sell legal settlement amounted to around $400 per player has the cash to compensate them. So... This opens things up for a lot of discussion. This opens the conversation up for a lot of um, 
you know, ability to see where and how far games are going to go um, in this space. It's going to see just how well the market is going to kind of re- relay that information out for a lot of these players. One of the things that I am worried about for a lot of these folks is going to be, and we've kind of seen a little bit happen already where there's going to be some vultures in the space. We saw this in the NBA, hence the reason why a lot of NBA rookies now have money management courses when they go into the league. Uh, a lot of those folks are, are dealing with managers and, and agents that sometimes are not going to be doing things in the best interest of those players. I feel like this is going to be a good thing for, a, for, for the long run. But there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road in the interim where players are going to get screwed because they want to they want to cash in quick to get into the space and see where they're going to be able to make money. I don't know what's that, what that means in terms of how that's going to look for players moving forward. But I do think that there is going to be a space where we're going to see a fair amount of athletes, you know, not necessarily get the best deal right out the right out the uh, uh, right off the jump they're going to be waiting through a bunch of stuff where a lot of people are going to get screwed and some people are going to cash out really well um but in the grand scheme again like if your whole career isn't going to be one where you're going to be able to make it to the NFL or you're going to be able to make it to the to the NBA you know what does this mean for you know those kids right where they you know weren't going to make that money they cash out early and get some money there. The other part of this that makes me wonder is, does this open up a space for other game types that we hadn't seen in a while in a real way? Like, does this mean that like Sony San Diego, uh, or yeah, Sony San Diego could make like NCAA baseball, right? Like, what does that mean? Is that a thing that we would see now that you have people who are in those spaces who are going to be playing and, and, and doing that stuff? Like, is there even a market for stuff like that? Um, does that open that up to those conversations in a bigger way? Huh. Could be. Could be potentially. We don't know yet. We have no idea, you know, whether that's going to be a thing that's going to happen in the, in those ways. But it could be interesting uh, to be able to see, you know, how the game changes um, in those in those spaces as well. I'm excited to see what that means for them because they deserve it. And I think it's going to be really cool to see um, so many players, you know, now be able to cash in on a space that was before one that they just never could really dig into. Um, So that's awesome for them Uh, and excited to see where that lands for them. Uh, Last story for this week uh, in terms of news would be uh, Nixus software, a technical developer based out of the Netherlands uh, whose credits include PC ports and optimizations of games like Marvel's Avengers, Deus Ex Mankind Divided, and most modern and most recently the Tomb Raider trilogy is now um, jumping in bed with uh, PlayStation. They have now been brought into the PlayStation family. Herman Hulst announced that uh, yesterday uh, in a blog on the PlayStation blog, and he's story in the PlayStation blog. Uh, which then led the conversation up into one about again Sony doing more work in the PC port space, which I think is going to, again, rile up a whole bunch of folks for no reason. (laughs) You make a whole bunch of people upset, again, for no reason. 
but again, I think that this is a, a, a really cool move for PlayStation. I think they need to start doing this more often. You know, I talked about how important this is to the ecosystem for their company. And I got a lot of shit on the Internet from people, again, not understanding that this was potentially a good thing for Sony, um, especially in the face of Microsoft um, having way more availability to the PC market because of Windows in that way. Um Herman Herman says in a, in a in a in a in the blog he says I highly respect Nexus and I'm excited for the very uh experienced team to become a part of the world class development community at SIE. Uh, they have a passion for improving games and delivering the best possible experience for gamers. Nexus will be a strong asset for everyone across PlayStation Studios. Helping our teams focus on the most important goal, which is to create unique PlayStation content at the best quality ever. Again, I think this is extremely smart. We've already seen games like Horizon Zero Dawn make it to PC. Uh, Days Gone uh, was the one that just came out. Um, you know, supposedly Uncharted 4 and Ghost of Tsushima uh, have pot- potentially have games in the works. Um, and off the recent uh, acquisition of Housemark, which I think is also a really smart move for them, makers of Returnal, this then brings a new layer of, you know, where can the PlayStation brand grow when they don't have major AAA games in the funnel or those games aren't ready to happen or does it just expand, you know, those developers abilities to make more money in a bigger and broader way, which I think is actually what it winds up doing for them. So we're going to see a lot of this wind up moving into a space where, you know, Sony is going to have to broaden its horizons in terms of places that it puts games while also, you know, marketing and talking to the audience in a way that makes them not feel like they're giving something up, which I think, again, If you have a timed exclusive, you know, you push things out maybe six months to a year. Everyone, the the conversation I've heard from many Sony fanboys has been, you know, well, then it's not exclusive anymore. And I was like, well, that's not necessarily true. I think that those games are still exclusive. They're timed exclusives. But I think that the exclusivity that matters is do you as a person who's playing on a PlayStation platform, feel like you are getting an experience before everybody else is getting an experience? And I think the answer is absolutely yes. Like, if you are a person who is a day one uh, player for big games on those platforms, nothing really changes for you in a way that matters, I don't think. You're still you're still playing that game. You're still getting the experience before anybody else. No one on a Microsoft platform is going to get that experience before you. Because that's really what the beef is, right? People are like, I don't want, I don't want Xbox people to play my game before my my crew of people get to play that game, which I think is the actual conversation there that I think a lot of people continue to miss. Like, I don't think that Sony fanboys are really worried about PC players in that same way. I know PC folks aren't worried about anybody on console, to be fair, um, but I do think that the conversation changes a lot when it becomes something around like, when am I going to get the game versus when is everybody else going to get the game? And again, I still think that that is a conversation that is still in this, in the court of everybody who buys that game on a P on a PS five or PS four first. Um, and then they wind up kind of moving to, to other spaces. I, I think of that as way less of a, of an actual issue than a lot of people are making it out to be. 
Um, and I kind of wish that it wasn't a thing because it just doesn't make sense. It's just a weird thing to argue about uh, in that way uh, for a lot of people who are trying to figure out good ways to, to have an argument about a thing that doesn't really matter um, in the grand scheme. So we will see what that means for the PC market and PlayStation moving forward. I think, again, they have a really good, smart space to be able to dig into there. Um, and I, I think, you know, at that point, we'll see them kind of be in a good spot. And hopefully that means that they will be, uh, you know, in a, in a good place to be able to make games that give, you know, Sony fans uh, a lot of, a lot of excitement, um, in those spaces in that way. Uh, so very excited about that. Um, also the folks from Bloober team joined up with Konami. So now those two, uh, uh, studios are together, which has now brought up the conversation about, are we getting a new Silent Hill? You know, the conversations around, you know, all the Kojima stuff that happened a couple weeks ago or, or, you know, not even a couple weeks ago, maybe a week ago. Um, hopefully now will die down a bunch with Blooper now being a part of Konami. Um, I'm excited for that. I mean, a lot of people are like, I hate Blooper games. They they treat su- subject matter pretty, pretty terribly. I, I've played some. You know, I played a little bit of the medium. I never played any of the other games yet. But I think that, again, like there's conversations there about, you know, how good a game is going to wind up being from a developer. Do we think that that's going to be in the right spot? You know, do we feel like they're going to treat the game well? And I, you know, for me, I'm just like, all right, like (laughs) let them make the game and it will get a chance to determine if it's crap or not. Uh, but as soon as people jump on a story, it seems like they, they are bringing very much like all the potential negatives out as opposed to any potential po- positives that might be in the space, too. I'm hoping that that becomes a, a, a different part of the conversation um, in a real way. Um, what else is there? I think that there's basically one other thing that I that I wanted to dig into uh, for this week's episode. Again, we'll have a full episode when I'm back in town next week um, to dig into, you know, other things that are coming up from the news perspective, a game that I've been playing a bunch of, I can't really talk about it fully because I don't think it's actually under, uh, out of embargo yet, but Phantom Abyss is a fantastic game that I'm very, very much excited for it coming out in its full version for all, for everyone to play. Uh, the, the crux of it is that you are running through a randomly generated, uh, tomb. Um, and because of that random generation, you wind up, uh, having, you know, like legends of the hidden temple style, you know, running from a first person perspective, traps trying to kill you, you know, hidden, hidden traps and people, things falling from the ceiling, you know, the floors coming out from underneath you, like spike pits, all that kind of stuff. Um, but basically if the level gets finished, only one person would have finished that particular level. Although you can have ghosts in the space coming from multiple people who have not made it through that, through that level, or a version of those levels, the only person to to actually finish it will be one person. And it's multi-layered so that you'll go through multiple levels of uh, a multiple, multiple floors of a level uh, 
to get to the end and then you will have one winner of that level it's a concept that is really brilliant i love the fact that it is like only one person would have been able to finish a thing um it adds a layer of kind of feeling special to the players who have done it and the ones who have finished it it also will showcase you know people's skills in a way that you don't really get a chance to see in a lot of other games so I am very excited for it. I've been having a blast with it. I Since the first time I saw it, I was super excited for it. And now that I get a chance to see even more of it, I'm extremely excited for it. I'm very hyped for the ability to play that game um, in, 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 a, in an even you know bigger way. Uh, I'm very, very excited for that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm hyped about that game. Uh, I was digging more into Knockout City some more, going back into playing some more of that. Um, and haven't really played a lot of stuff, you know, yet. I, I'm probably going to play some games on xCloud because I'm not home to check it out and, and dig more into that. Uh, the folks over at Logitech sent me a, a really dope racing wheel and a HOTAS. So I'm definitely going to be dig, digging into uh, more Forza when that winds up coming out. And, and especially Flight Sim because I've been dying to play more Flight Sim on my PC. Um, so there's some, there's some good games coming out uh, in the mix of both the indie space and the, and the, the console space. Um, it is a weird part of the year because you don't find that there's a lot of stuff to play, but there are some 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 gems in there right now to, to dig into. So lots of stuff to kind of dig into from a gaming perspective and, and from a, you know, a, you know, content creation perspective. There was a, you know, Dying Light 2 had their uh, second episode of Dying to Know, which dropped uh, yesterday, uh, where they talked more about the kind of monsters that you're going to find in that game. So I'm going to continue to be hyped about that game. Um, I haven't had a chance to play Chicory yet, which I think is brilliant and gorgeous and beautiful. Uh, I was playing a little bit of Death's Door, uh, but uh, Embargo isn't ready for that yet. And an EA Play is going to be happening fairly soon. And we're going to learn more because there's a whole bunch of rumors about a remake of Dead Space uh, potentially being there. Everyone is hoping that EA Big is going to be a thing that makes a comeback. Uh, so EA Play plus Battlefield stuff has been out in the world. We're going to find out more about whatever the potential new mode is going to be in that game when that drops. So I'm, I'm busting ass right now to try to line up some interviews with folks around EA around a lot of that stuff. And then we're going to continue to do um, some expansions of our play along series. You know, we did the one about the one with Wild Rift uh, a little while ago, uh, which was super fun to be able to get folks from Riot on the show to talk about the game and, and, and explain more about that. So there's some there's some interesting uh, uh, stuff coming up soon. Twitch is also um, going to be uh, showcasing us for the month of uh, July because uh, they're focusing on talk shows and podcasts as well. We're going to be doing stuff with Logitech C, their creator vertical, uh, with creators for BIPOC, uh, which is going to be uh, some charitable work that we're going to be doing with them uh, for, for a couple of different charities. So super excited to be working with them alongside our Logitech G fam. So there's some cool stuff coming down the pipeline from, from a Spawn Me perspective. So many more of the uh, DICE Award conversations have been, been been going up online. So make sure you're checking those out as well. Those are on their YouTube channel. So I hosted, again, those 22 panels uh, for, for DICE Awards. And now a lot of that content is coming out as well. So there's some cool stuff there uh, for sure. And there's a couple of small surprises in terms of the Kai Can't Cook 
world as well. I'm, so, I'm still plotting my revenge on Paris. So I have a couple of things that are in flight uh, that we're going to be working through and hopefully sharing very, very soon. It's not going to be a one shot deal this time around because I saw he got me and I'm mad about it. So there's no way for me to try to do it in one shot. So it's going to be a, a rolling, a rolling <laughs> re retreading and a rolling re uh, 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 trolling of Paris throughout the rest of the year and probably into 2022 uh, until we wind up finally having our cookoff uh, at some point. Uh, so, so please make sure you're keeping it locked. Also, editors note, uh, there were a lot of folks who were telling us that they couldn't hear the show or it wasn't updating on Stitcher. Uh, so now that has been fixed. If you're a listener on Stitcher, please know that the podcast is back on Stitcher. Uh, it is fully updated. All the newest episodes are there. Uh, so let us know if you're not hearing it on your podcast listener of choice. Please let me know. DM me. Shoot me a message on Twitter. Let me know if things aren't showing up because, again, without, you know, you all listening and all, on those platforms, our numbers take a huge hit uh, when, when things aren't working in that way. Uh, so episode 400 is coming up soon. Please DM me. Please, you know, shoot me messages on Twitter. Who do you want to see be a guest as as number 400? Uh, I can start, again, continuing to work on getting people in for that because uh, it's a milestone for us. You know, 400 episodes is not an easy number to hit. A lot of shows don't ever make it that far. So getting a chance to do almost 400 episodes is going to be pretty damn cool uh, for sure. So uh, we're going to get up out of here. Uh, I'm going to see if I can edit this bad boy on an iPad as long uh, alongside recording it on an iPad and see how that sounds. Um, and then we're going to, we're going to rock with you next week. We'll be back in studio, uh, next week doing the streams on Twitch. Uh, and we'll see you all next week for another episode of Spawn on Me. So much love to you all. Please be safe. Please continue to wear your mask. Please, uh, still get, go get out the, get out there and get the, vi uh, the virus. Don't get the virus, get the vaccine. <laughs> Please go get vaccinated. Uh, the variant, uh, conversation has been a little bit scary. So I want to make sure that all of you are safe. So please go get vaccinated. Uh, and yeah, we'll be back next week, uh, with another episode of spawn on me. So please represent the show. Please share it out. Uh, and we'll see you all very, very soon. Much love to you all. Peace.